This is the Wesson Walker Show. Rocky Five, man, that, that movie make you want to cry to think about all that Rocky had, and he had to move out because of his damn wife's brother. It's Wes. I give that man all the credit in the world for not killing him, because I would have took him out in the backyard and beat those ribs up Ooh. like I was about to put them on the grill. And Walker. This is Top of the Dome, by the way, with the ribs grill reference. Incredible stuff. <laughs> Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. That man would have had cracked ribs and all types of crack stuff for signing over my pal here we go here we go football thursday the football week starts on Thursday, man. I mean, I know you get a little max in early in the week and stuff like that, but once Thursday hits, you wake up with a little bit of a buzz because you know, hey, I got some good football to watch tonight, NBA to watch tonight. I mean, whatever. I mean, good Lord, all the sports are on. But uh, this Dallas-Seattle game tonight should be pretty good, so you can enjoy that one. So, hey, let's get the football weekend started. It's championship week. The Pac-12 starts it off tomorrow night with a monster game between Oregon and Washington. And with that said, let's go to the campus. Kona! All right, the ACC gave out their honors. We talked about the all-ACC teams yesterday. We had a bit of a debate about some of the guys who were on the first, second, and third teams. But the player of the year, offensive player of the year, defensive player of the year, and rookie of the year were given out yesterday. Starting out, big shout-out. To Chambers' own Kevin Casey Concepcion. He was the ACC Rookie of the Year. Big timer. Peyton Wilson took home the Defensive Player of the Year. Pretty much unanimous. There was some good competition for it, but he had 58 of the possible first-place votes. And then Ashton Gelati of Louisville finished second. He only had uh, three votes. Jordan Travis took home Offensive Player of the Year, followed by Malik Washington and Drake May. And then the player of the year was Jordan Travis, who got 31 votes. And it was a close one. Peyton Wilson had 25 votes in this deal. We talked about yesterday. I thought it was pretty far-fetched that he would even be that close. Malik Washington of Virginia, the guy told you, Walker Mail, that is the best receiver in the ACC. And Drake May finishes that. And then Jeremiah Trotter. So two defensive players in the player of the year race this year. Jeremiah Trotter Jr. of Clemson who said bye-bye and he's going to the pro so he can be even more like his daddy. So what do we think of those awards as you glance over it? What are some of the initial thoughts when you check out who took home the hardware? That I'm fine with everything that that was shown. Jordan Travis winning player of the year. If Peyton Wilson was the only guy that I thought really should give him a run for his money, but Jordan Travis being the QB, it was always going to be tough to pass him for an undefeated regular season in the conference. And this is someone that we're talking about possibly going to New York if he's healthy. Jordan Travis taking away ACC Player of the Year. I'm cool with that. Uh, honestly, the only one I would say is Peyton Wilson not winning Defensive Player of the Year unanimously. <laughs> I mean, sorry, Gelati. Sorry, Trotter Jr. and Deloach. It's got to go to Peyton Wilson. What's the case for anybody else over Peyton Wilson? So that would be, it's not even a real gripe that I have. I think they got it right here, Wes. I don't know if you have any quarrels with it. Yeah, I think they got it right as well. But the surprises I saw, like I said, was Malik Washington getting a little bit of the uh, love that he got as well. And so when we, oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say what what happens, though, is, you know, there's four votes for Washington. There's three for Drake May in total. There's one for Jeremiah Trotter. So that's outlier city the real 
the real battle was between Peyton Wilson and Jordan Travis, where Malik Washington, Drake May, yeah, one finished third, yeah, one finishes fourth, but you're talking about three total votes, four total votes. Hey, man. It's really just, it's just how it is. Love, it, it, any lies, <laughs> any lies told. No, That's and so, I, yeah, because, I mean, Malik Washington had a massive year. 110 oh, catches, 14-26 to go with nine tutties. But uh, got to bring Fiddy in on this one. Just wondering his thoughts because I had a little bit of a, uh, just some wonder going on as I looked at this. I mean, with Drake May, this guy was the preseason player of the year. I thought he was going to get it, uh, no doubt about it. And so when you look at him finishing fourth in player of the year, being second team All-ACC, and then with the way Carolina finished the season, Fiddy, would you classify Drake May's season this year as a disappointment? I, I mean, disappointment might be keeping it nice. Uh, you would, I, I would argue this season was a failure because you, you have the best quarterback you're, you're ever going to have. I mean, unless you get a guy like Caleb Williams to come through your program. And what do you have to show for it? Eight and four on the surface for Carolina football. It's a really good year. But and you were six and zero at one point. Yeah, and, and, I'm, and I'm saying too, his individual play. Did you feel like it was a disappointment? Individually, no, because I, I I felt like every Saturday he did what he was supposed to do, which was he gave his team a chance. But the guy came back to win and achieve big team goals, not individual awards. And he got neither. He got neither individual awards or team awards. And it's really disappointing. No, I completely agree with everything. I, I think what this was with with Drake May. Are you saying you're surprised with <laughs> I'm this? Shocked. With this being how? Oh, it's definitely a disappointment. Se- disappointing yeah, season. I, yeah. Can, go ahead. I don't think there's any question. No, no, no. Go ahead. I just thought that you would find some silver lining to say that well, he's still you know the best prospect, and I thought he had a fantastic. I can like Drake May, man. <laughs> I, I just like, thought that's what you were going to say. North Carolina's 4-4 four and four in conference, Wes. Yeah. Like, they're 500 in conference. They didn't have a winning record with that guy on their roster. How am I supposed to spin it any other way other than it being disappointing? The, the, the way that you could say maybe it wasn't is this is an 8-4 and four school. Everybody needs to just get with it. It doesn't matter if they have a great quarterback. It doesn't matter what kind of talent. The average is 8-4, and four, and if you get eight wins, that's a successful season. But you can have outlier seasons, too, at a school that is supposed to go eight wins. This was supposed to be a year that they got to the ACC championship and competed, especially in the layout of what the conference was this year. Man, look, I... I'll, I'll be that. If I love Drake May, I'll be that. That's fine. Y'all can accuse me. But I, you do not need to accuse me of not keeping it real with what North Carolina did. Second half collapse, losing to Virginia, Georgia Tech, back-to-back weeks when you were supposed to go 3-0 and with Campbell as the third team. Then you finish, what, you lose to NC State again, and you don't even have a shot. Like, you come out in the first quarter without any reason for us to believe in you. Yeah, man, I'm not going to get it too crazy. Of course it was a disappointing season for Carolina. Yeah, no, I, and I agree with you. I'm just giving you a tough time. But, yeah, I think it was too because I thought Drake May was going to sweep ACC honors as far as from an individual perspective. I thought for sure he'd be first team all ACC. We did still get to see a lot of the physical tools uh, that he showed. I mean, he had the crazy throw at Clemson, even though that was his worst game as a member of the Tar Heels. He had those moments where you were like, man, this guy could really be something special at the next level. But just to see, uh, you know, his season in the way it has, I just didn't foresee this. Kind well, of and I agree 100% with Fiddy because he didn't think it was a disappointing season individually. Think about what you're I thought he did say. No, he was saying it wasn't. 
He was saying disappointing for the team, but not individually, is okay. what Fitty was saying. That's why I agreed 100%. And this is why I agree with that. Think about think about what you're asking Drake May to do. Mm-hmm. Okay? They lost to Virginia, and they scored 30 points. Yeah. They lost to Clemson, and Clemson's defense wrecked everybody, and so did NC State. So, no, Drake May didn't have great games, but you're asking him to be perfect. Because you don't have the defense that is able to save you at all in either one of those contests. So if you think Drake May was disappointing, despite having the leading rusher in damn near all of college football, which is going to cannibalize some of your stats when you're that effective running the football, despite having that, he was clearly the leading passer in all conference play. And that's including the guy that might go to New York and Jordan Travis with two wide receivers that were on the all ACC ballot. Like, If you're asking Drake May to give you a decent amount more than what he already gave you, then that means you're asking him to be perfect, and there was no QB that was perfect this year, which means you're holding him to a higher standard than even the other Heisman hopefuls. Yeah, man, individually, I don't know if you can say it was disappointing. Team-wise, it was nothing but disappointment. And then, so now we go into the transfer portal. I wish we had a crazy noise to talk about it. That might be something I may work on, some imaging for transfer (laughs) portal updates. But Riley Leonard hit the transfer portal yesterday, and I feel like somebody teased that this was going to happen right before it did. Uh, A couple of hours before that, somebody was like, a big-time quarterback is about to hit the portal. So he's going to, I looked yesterday, 247 Sports had his crystal ball 100% to Notre Dame, but that has not become official yet. They also said it as an Alabama native that Auburn is on the table, and I'm still not going to rule out Texas A&M. I feel like that. Um, Coach Elko could be looking to him to perhaps help him get that thing going. Uh, I forget that freshman quarterback's name that they had at Texas A&M, though, but he was off to a really good start before he got hurt in 2022, though. Riley Leonard, we know the type of year that he had in his career. He had 4,450 passing yards, 24 touchdowns, 10 picks, 62% of his throws. DJU has now hit the transfer portal as well. He will be immediately immediately eligible to play. So I just feel like that uh, in this season where he throws for 2,638 yards, 21 TDs, the seven picks, I feel like with everything going on with the Pac-12 that they allowed him and any other players from those schools between Washington State because Cam Ward's another guy that people are waiting on him to hit the transfer portal. MJ Morris from NC State with his capping behind daddy. Uh, he's in there as well, talking about, oh, uh, we're, we're got a red shirt, but we're not going anywhere. Is but he capping, though? Yeah, he big capping. Talking about that. Remember when he when he, when he red shirted, he said, but he's not leaving the school. He was like, nah, we're not transferring. He's just going to whatever. My and, bad. I thought you were talking about capping as far as not going to the NFL draft. Because I thought you, it seems like you think there might be a chance he goes back to college. Who, Morris? Caleb Williams. I thought you were still on Caleb. Oh, <laughs> no, you could. Uh, Bo Collins has Whoops. also announced that he's transferring from Clemson. Uh, he's going as well. I mean, good riddance to him. Pretty unremarkable <laughs> career he had. But uh, what I find interesting is that as you look at the highlights, man, or the headlines, when you talk about going to get a quarterback out of that portal, and I said this morning and I appreciate meeting, Notre Dame is out here dropping a bag because it was rumored they spent over a million on Sam Hartman. I know if they want to get Riley Leonard, it's probably going to take the same. And Matt Rule just dropped the headline 20 hours ago, said a good quarterback in the transfer portal costs $1 million to $2 million. So if you want to go get Riley Leonard or DJU or any of these type of guys, you're going to have to shuck out the ducket. Yo, man, like if Notre Dame 
goes and gets Riley Leonard, can you just join the ACC already? <laughs> Seriously. I mean, like, you, you want to come in and then you want to get an ACC QB like Sam Hartman? What does he do for you? The Sam Hartman thing. Hey, maybe if you were in the ACC as much, you would know that's what Sam Hartman does. Exactly. Now you want to go get Riley Leonard? You want to get another ACC QB? You want to play with the ACC during the pandemic because scheduling is a lot easier, so they throw you a bone. And, yeah, it's a symbiotic relationship. They got paid more, too. But now you don't want to play them, so now we got teams voting saying, hey, let's go bring on Stanford and Cal. Just join the ACC, man. Why You want to be like us, but you don't want to be us. <laughs> I don't get it. Stop taking – go get your own QB to not make the college football playoff. How about that? And then some of the uh, other happenings when you go look around college football and some of the people who are going and staying. Clemson lost uh, a couple of guys yesterday. As I said, Jeremiah Trotter Jr., he is leaving a program. Bo Collins is leaving that program. Spencer Rattler is saying goodbye to the South Carolina Gamecocks. Nate Wiggins also from Clemson said that he is leaving. He's going to go prepare for the NFL draft and not going to play in the bowl game. You know, something that uh, boils my blood when guys do that. But uh, other than that, <laughs> it's just going to be, the action is going to be coming fast and furious. Were there any other headlines from the portal or guys leaving to go to the pros that caught your eye? Well, I just want to say to Roger the Irishman writing in, he's saying because they're Notre Dame, we pick who we choose. We don't need you. Well, then stop acting like oh, you need stop. us. Hold on. Let's stop acting like you don't. Yeah. Yeah. Stop Roger, acting like you need us. Roger, let me tell you something, partner. I'm Vinny, damn you know near about to go to the foul line. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you can see right now. Okay. They'll look at Let's this go. to see whether this is a flagrant. Mm, that was scary. I don't, even, I don't even know if I want to see that again. You've got to think that's going to be a flagrant. The question is, is it a one or a two? <laughs> Notre Dame fans, let me tell you something, okay? You guys are still talking like it's 1988. My mom and I were talking about you guys just the other Saturday and talking about Notre Dame and Sam Hartman. You guys haven't won a national championship since Tony Rice was out there at quarterback. And I was about six years old looking at my uncle's annuals and looking at that. Because you guys still think you're this championship program. A lot of the national championships that you won, black players weren't even on the field. I mean, let's start to change the mentality here. You guys can't recruit defensive linemen like that because your academic standards are too high. A 9-10 to 10 win program is all you're going to be most years. If you're lucky, you might get to the college football playoffs where you'll get smashed by the more physical, bigger, faster, stronger teams. These Notre Dame fans, every single year, when Sam Hartman went there, he's got better receivers and he's got a better offensive line. Well, I didn't see it because at Wake Forest, the last time I checked, he had a much better receiving court than what he had at Notre Dame. He came to you guys and choked. You were unranked at a certain point in the season. Now you want to go get Riley Leonard so you can go 9-3 and three again. This is not 1988. Notre Dame, you hadn't won a championship since I don't even know what songs were out back in 1988. Hall and Oates was probably the hottest thing smoking mm. since you guys won a national title. So you need to stop acting like you can get whoever you want and, and, and picking and choosing with that type of arrogant comment. The days of Notre Dame being a national championship contender year in year out are long gone get over it stop taking our qbs man seriously get over it notre dame fan the flavor flavor of that oh and have mercy boy they've been living on nuke rockney for god knows when <laughs> all right
When we come back on the good. Western Walker show, that felt good. It's a full rebuild on the table for for Carolina. What would that look like on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC? talk about music a lot but a lot of times we'll just roll in with a nice beat and then we'll bring in whatever conversation we have but with spotify wrapped on the mind with apple replay on the mind we've been sharing those graphics what is on your list we want to hear from you put it on the carolina men's uh, clinic text line 704-570-9610 and i've said this uh, my friends make fun of me all the time because there's so many beats that will play and i'll say man that's one of the beats the best beats of all time right there and like at the end of the day i'm putting in all-time booty mover 1400 beats as the best beats of all time but that is one if you were to force me to pick five of my favorite songs and or beats rock him it's been a long time i think that would make top five for me i wow. think that i would have to do it I would it have would to be do hard it. for me that's something though you might be inspiring me right now to think about because i do have a playlist that i consider the top 50 rap songs to me mm-hmm. in our time to me yeah but now with beats, that gives me a whole nother inspiration why I would think I would think that would be next to it. I think that would be song for me, beat and song, just because Rakim kills it. I just, that song is yeah. ridiculous. I mean, that beat was nasty. It was. It was. And that, yeah, you know, no, I ain't down with Eric B no more. I was like, wait, whoa, okay, yeah, yeah. okay, we got it. We yeah. got it. Yeah. I never cool. knew the stories about them. They were so off the chain. Don't, I didn't know Eric B and Rakim was monsters don't, like that. Don't mess with Eric B. <laughs> don't, don't mess with Eric B, man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, don't mess with Rakim on the mic, but Eric B behind the scenes, not anybody to be trifled with. I, but I really admire the fact that you have a favorite beat of all time or that you can even conjure that because. I would feel like that would be a next to well, impossible task. That's why I I give myself an out. I give myself a little cushion by mm-hmm. saying top five. Just, yeah. just to but even me. still, yeah. to do that, I, it would be I couldn't there. sit here and tell you that. Oh, that's tough. I got. An, I mean, well, we've done this a little before, yeah. but the other one I would have to say is Palmolive from Freddie Gibbs on Bandana. Yeah, that beat. As soon as I heard that, my brain melted. Yeah, man. I didn't I, even know what was coming out. It's at me. nothing like hearing a great beat. It's one of. That's why I think I'm so in love with music, man. It's nothing like the feeling like of when you hear a dope track for the first time, just those endorphins that go off. It's man. the meme personified. <laughs> it's the two pictures beside each other when you see the volume turned up past the 10. Okay, it's one through 10 and the volume is turned up past it. And then the next picture beside it is the goosebump with your hair raised on your arm. Yeah. It's both of those things. Music and food are two of the things that's the hardest thing to hide a reaction to. Um. Okay. Are we going to do this too? Like the text line is crazy. We. W- this is the problem with me and Wes to a certain degree, but really I'm going to take this responsibility. I throw too many questions at the text line because too many good questions pop up in my head. And then there's an overload and then I don't get to read everybody's because I myself have the problem of, oh, look, squirrel. Oh, look, something different. Oh, look, let me ask you this question. But now what we're doing is, yeah, M dog writing in Mike Jones still tipping might be the best beat of all time. Uh, I was just thinking about that the other day. Oh, you don't think so? I mean, that, that that's very strong. That's a nice beat, but that's very strong. I think if you bring that to a lot of people that were here for that moment in time, everybody has a favorite verse on that song. It's a classic hip hop question. Who's got the best verse? And with that beat rolling in, that is an all encompassing demographic type beat. Everybody loves it. I don't mind it. Strong take, bold take. 
It's very bold. Not strong toke, M Dog. Yeah, I don't think that's, that's a strong that's a toke. And music is so subjective, so I'm not gonna knock him for that selection. Yeah. No, I hear you. I just think about the Timberlands and the Pharrells and the Rizzas and the Havocs and the Dre's. But that's what's great. Oh, but but ah, but let me tell you don't though. Get me started. But it's the holiday season, and yeah. let me inspire people. A good beat can come from anywhere. That it can. You can sit outside and beat on a garbage can. That's why I would tell people when they would knock Listen people. Listen good, kids. When, when a lot of the producers today that use computer software and stuff like that, or when people started using NPCs and people were knocking them for that, I think that I've always said an instrument, you can make anything your instrument. It could be a computer. It can be a trash can. It could be anything. And you can make anything sound dope. I mean, Timberland has taken several household things and made added to beats with those things. Yeah. Listen good, kids. Because you know I love you. Yeah. This is words of advice from Wes and Walker on the beat game. Yeah. Let's go to the text line because I did. 704 number. Uh, music is part of our connection here. So we're going to talk music every now and again. Sorry. The context, I guess, is that he didn't like the music yeah, conversation. Yeah. I just didn't know. Just without. had to let him know. Okay. All right. Wes, was, <laughs> Wes is going to let you know on the text line. I did also want to read some of these best president of all time texts. That's what I opened up the show with. My sister asked me what a good basketball goal brand would be for my nephew. Goliath, Gorilla. Do you just get the portable basketball goal? And then that led to what was the best gift you ever received? What is the biggest gift you can remember getting? And that leaving an imprint on your life. So a few people wrote in Jersey Frank, original Atari. Jeff, the Braves fan has a good one. Mine was when I was eight. real pinball machine. Heard noises and woke up, but saw it was 4 a.m., waited until it was quiet for an hour, went into the living room, there it was, plugged it in, started playing for 30 seconds, bing, 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 bang, bong, dad said, turn that damn thing off. (laughs) (laughs) I can imagine that. Uh, Gordon also wrote in and said, never a memorable goal. I don't know about the brand and its importance, but what Gordon says is it should be tall enough to put next to the trampoline for dunk contest. Look, I, I worry a little bit about my nephew's ACLs, but I also think I move past that worry so he can have the fun of dunking on goals with the trampoline. Just be careful. Oh, yeah, for sure. But I would love to do it. I don't know if I have enough to say, hey, don't put it next to the trampoline because Lord knows I would have done the same thing. Dave and Concord wrote in and said, 1960s, mine was the strange change machine. Google it. Still have it. It sounds fun. A little strange change. That does sound fun. Yeah. We can read some more a little bit later on. I want to go to Big Cat Dan's text because that serves as the transition. You teased this, Wes, going into the break. What would a full rebuild look like for the Carolina Panthers? And are we still on that kind of timeline? Because the Carolina Panthers feels like they tried to play it in the middle. We're going to go rebuild, but we're also going to try to win now. Scott Fitterer had the comments that fans have not let him live down. We feel like you can drop a QB into this roster and compete for the division. (laughs) Well, you dropped a QB in, and you are not competing for the division, even with it being as weak as we all thought it was going to be. So here's Big Cat Dan's question. A full rebuild starts with trading Burns and or Derek Brown to recoup picks, sort of like what the Jags did with Jalen Ramsey. You draft well. You spend in free agency to get the ship back above water. Fitter or the next GM... They have to have a roadmap, and that's what Trent Baalke did with the Jags. I want to focus on the first part of that because I think the most logical explanation of a rebuild would be trading your most valuable assets that have grown arms and legs already. Not picks, but Brian Burns, Derek Brown. 
Are you moving on from those guys? Because you're in a contract negotiation with Brian Burns. Derek Brown, it's coming up this offseason. He's going to be extension eligible, and you're going to be talking about giving him of the bag. And so with both of these guys, what do you do here? Because that's what would get the most in return. But here we are talking about stability. Are we talking out of both sides of our mouth if we want stability, trying to create culture like Cam Newton was talking about? Are we talking about saying that and keeping our – is it okay to get rid of those guys for assets or do we need that stability with some of your better players on the roster? What do you do here? Hmm, man, a full on rebuild. So obviously, you know, Bryce is at the top of that. So he's going to be the guy he's not going anywhere. Then when you look at the rest of this roster, and this gets into the discussion of, you know, how many winning players does Carolina have? And I think that with Brian Burns, I think maybe you could see what you get because we never got the offers quite, of what people were offering for him when it came out. We saw the 49ers and some other teams try to send some stuff. The Panthers may try to get back into the first round. Um, That could be a start. But if you just stand pat, I think it's just got to be a slow, deliberate rebuild to where you figure out, you identify the guys to deem winning players. And so Bryce Young's going to be at the top of that, and luckily you don't have to pay him a lot of money. Then you look at the offensive side of the ball. Icky looked like he was going to be a part of that, but it no longer looks like that anymore. So you got to figure out what you got to do with that. The receiving court, to me, they're all expendable, even Adam Thielen, if you keep him. Because, yes, he's productive. He's having a great year. But if you want to start over, maybe you keep him because he's not making a ton of money. Help him for whatever receiver that you may draft in this draft. Um, and then I know free agency, there's a lot of guys on the market that you go out and get in the backfield probably part ways. So to me, the offense is going to be under the most construction. Defense is more so filling in some holes. Um, guys on the, the outside of Derrick Brown, a couple of guys that play outside of him. Got to go get you some backers, and you got to figure out the secondary. So uh, I just think a full-on <laughs> rebuild. I think a full-on rebuild, you just got to figure out which side of the ball you're going to pay the most attention to, and obviously it's going to be the offense. So I think you got to start there. It's got to start with the foundation of the offense, which is the offensive line. So I think that rebuild looks like really hammering both sides of the ball on the line, but especially that offensive line first and then filling in the gaps um, beside that. But I think this is going to be a process that I would say if it were to be on a fast track because things can move from year to year in the league, but I'd say at least two seasons before I think you could really start to see some real progress. Yeah, and Dan Orlovsky had the soundbite of saying, Bryce Young, this fan base might have to wait until 2025. Yeah. You just want to see progress. If it means that we're not going to compete for a division title or a playoff spot until 2025, okay. But we would love to see progress that would allow us to believe that in 2024. That's what you want to see. You you almost want to see it in these last five games from Bryce. That's the realistic goal at hand for the rest of this season. What can Bryce do to show us that we feel confident he's going to figure it out in 2024? That's the realistic goal. You drafted him number one. You gave up all these assets to go get him. We want to see some return on our investment. Even we just want to see some growth that lets us know we are going to get that return on the investment because you invested a lot. And that's why it's hard for me to figure out if I want to trade a Derek Brown or Brian Burns, even if they're younger and the best players on the roster. I mean, those those are the guys that are, here we are talking top five, giving us some cushion, but they're right up there. 
Brian Burns' contract negotiation is the one. I just, are, if they're going to franchise tag him, you're you're only making him angrier and angrier, right? Or like this is only becoming more of a frustrating problem yeah. for the team. No, I'm not saying trade him for pennies on the dollar, 50 cents on the dollar. But if you get a first and a third and some team is willing to make that and Brian is now frustrated with you, now you have a new regime coming in. I don't know if you keep Suleiman because you like him as a capologist or whatever. I don't know. But if Brian Burns, if this thing continues to grow more frustrating for both parties, maybe that's the guy you move on from. I'm not saying I want to. I'm just saying maybe that would be best for both parties. So you get something to help Bryce Young, an offensive lineman, wide receiver, things that help your number one overall pick be as successful as possible. But you hold on to Derek Brown. The money that Derek Brown is not going to get as much money as Brian Burns is asking for. He's not going to get 30 million. Right. So he's going to come in at a smaller contract. Now you have more money to give to him. So maybe that's the way to roll. You get a couple of picks, you trade Brian Burns, you avoid the headache. Brian, you almost want Brian Burns to go play for a winning team at this point. A little bit of the McCaffrey feeling where, oh, thank God, Kyle Shanahan, they're going to take good care of him. Okay, they're going to run. He's going to score touchdowns every single game. Brian Burns is going to get some help on the defensive line. He's going to get you 15 sacks. He's going to get to the postseason. Finally, just take good care of him, guys, please. We'll, We'll take Derek Brown, though. Maybe that's the situation Carolina finds himself in. I think if you do that, the only issue there, man, is you take a real risk of this defense taking a step back. And I know Brian oh, Burns yeah. is not a player that you always feel on the field. And that's the thing with him. It's like, do you feel his presence all the time? He could be a nuisance, but not enough of a nuisance on the field. And I think that's what fans want to see a little bit more from him as he continually just causing problems for the offense. I don't necessarily see that. And at this point in his career, I don't know that we will see that. But, I mean, if you trade him, I think you got to get a great haul for him. And we talked about how you probably don't get that Rams offer again. And I think unless you get something like that, or you could get high enough up into the first round, if you can get into the top half of the first round, but it's just, man, if you draft his replacement and he doesn't work out, especially with the fact that you missed, it looks like a big miss on DJ Johnson, then you talk about the the defense – taking a lack of pass rush. However, we know that Evero had a top 10 defense as far as total yards in Denver, and they did trade Bradley Chubb. I think that Burns is better than Bradley Chubb, but not a heck of a lot better than Bradley Chubb. And so that's the risk that you run. It's like, can Evero work up enough magic to where he can get some guys in that he feels like a Fitz might not have that name and that billing to be a $30 million guy or high twenties or whatever you want to pay him. Maybe he doesn't have that guy, but maybe with his coaching and his scheme, he can be able to replace that by committee. So if you want to go that way, then possibly, but I think it's gotta be worth it. You gotta get into, in my opinion, the top half of the first round if you're going to deal him. Heat fan writes in on the Carolina Men's Clinic text line. It's not hard, Walker. We don't draft good players. You keep good players, and then you build around them. You know, and I get it. I get that they haven't drafted good players with Scott Fitterer at the helm. But if you don't think he's going to be there, then let's give the GM a shot to actually draft well for this team. 
Because I, I know the, the joke is always Carolina hadn't drafted well anyways. It doesn't matter who's there. The next guy's going to do the same thing. Well, yeah, if you think about it that way, then this... Yeah, but they have. Yeah, Carolina's well, no, I know. great. But but that's that's the joke under Tepper, yeah. is that they're not going to draft well under Tepper. But I know that Tepper medals, and I know he medals a lot. I know that the Benjamin Albright tweet, it was really starting to circulate that he had a play that he wanted run and he gave it to an offensive assistant. <laughs> I get that. I really hope Tepper is not so involved to the point where he's telling the front office who to select in the third round. Like, goodness gracious. I really hope it's not that bad. And so that's where you're still drafting potential starters. Right, Wes, second and third round picks, those guys should have a shot to be a starter in this league. Yeah, It's a lot of players drafted. So maybe this new GM comes in, assuming they get, move on from Scott Fitterer, Maybe they say, hey, man, Brian, I appreciate everything you did. We're going to try to look to find you a home, and we're going to try to bring back a first-round pick, whatever. And then that GM can hopefully get us out of the hell of bad draft picks that we've had really outside the first round. And even here recently, it's not like it's been the Marty, oh, we're always going to hit on the first round regime. That's not been true for Scott Fitterer. So maybe that's what you do. No, it has not been. And I think that... That's going to be the interesting part, man. Is he going to evaluate Scott Federer, look at those picks and say, man, you haven't had a good enough track record. I feel like I need to get somebody in here that can do a little bit better. Um, and so that's that's the space you're in with the Panthers. But there's no doubt they've missed on a lot of picks and they're going to have to go out. And again, I think that starts with the conversation we had to start the show about the culture. The Panthers need to figure out this offseason. What's the culture going to be? What's our identity? What? explicitly do we want to do on offense so that now we can draft the type of players that can be our guys. And that's where it starts. 704-570-9610. We want to hear your thoughts. We want to hear what you have to say about the Panthers, what they should do to try to set the culture right. Because Cam Newton talked about it, and he thinks there's a culture problem. So 704-570-9610. Let's go to the second Fitty Flash of the day. What you got for us, Fitty? It's all right to be a little hometown or a big old city Might as well share, might as well smile Life goes on for a little city As reported by well-respected and longtime NFL insider J.J. Watt <laughs> The Cardinals have released Zach Ertz from his contract To let him go play for a contender and there's going to be a lot of suitors that will go after the two-time All-Pro uh, Pro Bowl tight end. Maybe my Dallas Cowboys. Maybe West's 49ers. Maybe a return to Philadelphia is very much on the table. But a classy move by the Cardinals, too. Ironically enough, when they traded for him, it was the year they started, I think, 9-0. and It was a sign they were all in, trying to go win a Super Bowl. And two and a half years later, they were releasing him. So we can go somewhere else and try winning Super Bowl. We don't see many classy moves from the Cardinals organization, and at least not here recently. So maybe they're turning over a new leaf, allowing Zach Ertz to go find a different home. And uh, I know a lot of Panthers fans are going to be asking about him. I just don't know if he would want to come to Carolina in this situation. Hey, we're one in ten, but mathematically still alive to host a playoff game. I mean, the guys had 10 touchdowns in four years. I mean, good Lord. It's not like we're releasing Kellen Winslow here. I mean, they're going to let him go somewhere so he can do what? I mean, get 10 catches for 130 yards and a score. Give me a break. Moving um, on. Next topic from this guy. He's watching. Hey, during the break, I'm going to look up 
how many touchdowns Panthers tight ends have over the last four years. <laughs> and then I'm going to point to Zach Ertz and say he blows them out of the water. Although, touchdown Tommy, he might have something to say about that. We got more to go to, especially the fire fizzle. Fire fizzle, it's back. College football playoff contenders, fire or fizzle, according to Wes Bryant. It's coming up next, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Fizzle, the staple of Wesson Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We could have gone with a lot of topics today based on the wild show we've had. Basketball goal brands, best presents of all time, maybe even best beats. But Wes is going with college football playoff contenders, keeping it sports for all of you talk sports people on the text line. We're not going to melt your brain anymore with music conversation, at least for the next 10 minutes. Number one on the list, Wes. Going out west to the Pack 2 Oregon Ducks. Are they a fire or fizzle playoff contender? Well, this is a program that I have in past years really bashed to say that they don't deserve to be in any type of postseason play because they always get in there and just can't seem to beat teams from the south. But this season... Oregon is out here right now, and they've been looking pretty good, to say the least. They reached 11 wins for the first time since 2019, eighth time in program history. They finished undefeated at home for the fourth time and 11th time in program history. Seven of their 11 wins have been by 29 points or more, and five have been by 36-plus points. They're number two nationally in both first quarter and second quarter scoring differential. And that guy's Bo Nix, another guy that I've been very much down on in the past. But this season, he leads the nation with 78.6% of his passes completed. He's on pace to break the NCAA single season record held by Mac Jones. He leads the nation in passing yards per game, second in passing touchdowns and passer rating in addition to total yards per game and total touchdowns. So what do I think about the Oregon Ducks with all the fly unis, all the jiggy stuff that they have, the duck coming out with this big beak coming out there to get with the nation's best programs, and they have an offense that looks like an absolute buzzsaw. The Oregon Ducks are straight fire. I believe in the Ducks this year if they can get in. It's actually a bill, not a beak, Wes. I'm just oh, saying. it's not? I'm sorry about that. Sorry. Nerd. <laughs> was my mic on? Sorry, Walker. That was nice. It was so long. That was a nice little add in. It was so long. All right, let's move on. Michigan. They beat Ohio State. Does that make them a legitimate college football playoff contender. You tell me, Wes. Well, they are one of six undefeated teams at the FBS level. They've won 37 of its last 40 football games dating back to 2021. They've won 28 consecutive regular season games. They're in the midst of a school record 24-game winning streak against conference opponents, 11-0 for the second season in a row. They've scored 30-plus points in a school record 12 straight games to break the previous mark set in the 1976 season. And their guy is big Blake Corum in the backfield, in addition to J.J. McCarthy. But Blake Corum, with his 22 rushing touchdowns, he leads the rest of the nation. Do they still sign? Is Harbaugh a quirky guy? Do I like the khakis? 
The answer is all the answer to all that is I don't give a damn. The Michigan Wolverines are straight. Fire word to the winged on the helmets. The winged, uh, I forget what it's called. Winged something. But I love them regardless. I don't know. I was about to say. Regardless, I love them. It's called the wing something. I know Michigan fans want to kill me right now. <laughs> Even without Connor Stallions, are they fire? Yes. Okay. Just want to make sure. They'll fire. They proved that beating Ohio State. Number three. The Washington Huskies. Yeah. Strong strength of schedule, Wes. They almost dropped a few of these games, but they didn't. They're undefeated. Mm-hmm. Is that good enough to be considered fire amongst the college football playoff contenders? Well, they are 12-0 for just the second time in school history. They're number two in the nation in passing offense, number 12 in total offense. They have the nation's second longest active FBS winning streak at 19. Only Georgia has a longer winning streak, and we'll get to them in a minute because Lord knows their superlatives are through the roof. Rome Adunze, 1,300 receiving yards. He's shy of the school record by 128 yards. Michael Penix Jr., what can we say about this young man? He's up to third in Washington history in career touchdown passes, throwing multiple touchdowns in 20 of his 25 games at UW. Penix is currently number one in the nation in pass plays of 10-plus yards, 155 of those to be exact. So when it comes to the Washington Huskies, Seattle. I just went there a couple of summers ago. They are straight. Fizzle. I think Oregon's going to take them out on Friday night. Are you burning? Penix tried to give that game away at the end. He was not great, but they ended up winning. (laughs) And also a very, very emotional Michael Penix at the end of that game. Couldn't even watch. Well, wasn't he um, he over there? So he couldn't watch. I thought they said, too, he was really fatigued. I thought he was, like, throwing up or something. I don't know. He was sick, though, I guess. Sick with emotion, sick with an illness. I don't know what happened. Maybe so. All right, let's move on. All right. Number four, they don't have your boy anymore. Stetson Bennett's gone, Wes. He is. But they got Carson Beck. They do have him. They have Landon McConkey. <laughs> Bill Belichick. Lad. If, yeah. If, if he, Lad McConkey. Yes. Yeah, I apologize. Yeah, Lad. Um, Bill Belichick, if he's the head coach. Maybe he drafts Lad McConkey in the first <laughs> round. Yeah, I saw I saw that when they talked about him being a quintessential Patriots receiver. Listen, Georgia, they're on a school record, SEC record, 29-game winning streak. They begun when they beat Michigan in the 2021 college football playoff semifinal. They're enjoying a school record streak of 39 consecutive regular season victories that dates back to 2020. They've won 27 regular season games in a row. They've won a school record... 25 home games in a row, 15 straight games in an opponent's home stadium that leads the FBS, 45-1 and one in their last 46 games dating back to, or including back-to-back national championships. They're averaging 40 points a game. I mean, 39.6, who's counting? Outscored their opponents 475 to 189, and they own a 200, a plus 286-point differential on the season. And who's their big dog? All puns intended. Brock Bowers. He ranks second in Bulldogs history in touchdown catches, fifth in receiving yards, and fourth in reception. And he's just a tight end. The Georgia Bulldogs. I don't need to say it. You just heard all the accolades. Are straight fire. Get him, dogs. Hoof, hoof. That's what they do in the crowd. I really like that bark. Uh, like Fiddy, that? I saw you right. Uh, yeah, I think you and I both had the same thought. I think it's really hard to give a bark that is noticeable. That was a good one. Yeah, they say, go dog, sick them. 
It's a junkyard dog if you've ever seen one. Yeah. Right across from me, I host a show with one. <laughs> Last one here, Wes. The only ACC team here on the list, Florida State. Are they fire or fizzle? Florida State 12-0 for the fourth time in program history. They have an overall winning streak of 18 games, the longest active streak in the ACC. They've held every opponent this season to fewer than 30 points. They lead the ACC in both scoring offense and scoring defense and is the only team in the ACC and one of four nationally ranked in the top 12 in both categories. There are 22 wins and 88% win percentage since the start of 2022, are first in the ACC and fifth in the country. And they have seven wins this season over bowl-eligible Power 5 teams that's tied for the most in the country. But their best player is in a wheelchair right now. Speedy recovery to Jordan Travis. They're going to have to lean on Trey Benson and the like. And also on Keon Coleman, who did not rank in the top 10 in the ACC in receptions or reception yards. Damn. So when it comes to the Florida State Seminoles, they are straight. Fizzle, I got Louisville taking them out on Saturday night. Bucket. Cut that music off. There you go. Bark at him, Wes. <laughs> we go on to the last hour on Wes and Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. <laughs>